What's up, everybody? I am the Straight Edge Monster, joined by Ryan, and this is the MonsterCast. You can catch us live every Sunday right here on Twitch, and if you need to, if you need to catch an episode after the fact, you are more than welcome to on the YouTube channel of mine. I have a personal YouTube channel. Uh, there it is in chat. Uh, you subscribe there. We will post these episodes in full and also small snippets of it for easier digestion in throughout the week um usually after 24 hours because of you know tos but well yeah your affiliate contract <clears throat> yes i am an affiliate in fact I have a two-year affiliate stream. Thanks for the setup. Uh, a two-year affiliate stream coming up this Friday. Coming up, actually, uh, it'll start at eight eight thirty-ish. Um, it'll be going twenty-four hours. It'll be my second-year anniversary Twitch affiliate stream, and we'll be helping out animals in the process. And honestly, you know what I want to do? I think I'm going to go ahead and add in this graphic right here, so you guys can see what's going down. This is uh, some information about that 24-hour stream real quick. So this is what I've been posting all over the place. Cover up Ryan a little bit. There you go. Um, <laughs> I'll cover up both of us. So it'll make it fair. All right. So that's what's going on. So we got the rescue wheel with uh, the different items that will be donated on the spin wheel for every sub that goes through the uh, stream. We got the eight games that we'll be playing three hours apiece, uh, give, or, give or take a few, obviously, minutes because... I'm sure I'll be doing a lot of talking in between as well. And then, of course, the sub-goal list as well, where I could end the stream and uh, have, like, no hair on my face whatsoever besides a stash, I guess, technically. But um, we're th I'm, I'm putting all the details together for the sub-goals and when to do them and everything. But those are the sub-goals uh, from 5 all the way to 100. We had 98 subs last year. So we're just trying to look for two more. That's all. Two more subs. So that'd be cool if we can donate a hundred different fucking items to this uh, cause. I also just followed the local Humane Society of Gulfport, Mississippi. I think it's called, I think it's actually called the Humane Society of Southern Mississippi, I believe is the actual official name, but it's in Gulfport. So I always refer to it as Gulfport, Mississippi. But anyway, they have an Instagram account as well. They do not know that I'm doing this either. I have donated to there a couple times already this year. Um, but they do not know that I'm doing this. I'm not looking for any, like, special treatment or anything. But I will be tagging them when I do make the donation so you guys know that we actually did make a donation and get all the stuff that you did and not trying to, you know, just rob everybody of Twitch money, Twitch income. Um, we will be donating it, though. So, yeah, there's the information for that. Um, all right. We got a big show today, though. Got a big show. I've seen a couple other shows throughout the day, so I'm kind of excited about ours. Uh, I know... I'm going to make okay. sure I'm going to make sure that it doesn't get as heated as past arguments because I know what this is about to turn into. It's okay. It's okay. You can say whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. I you're not going to get me. You're not going to rile me up. I promise you. I've already gone through all the possible scenarios in my head like he's, goddamn Doctor Strange and the multiverse. Mm -hmm. I'm good. He's so on his dog bag today, boys. We got to talk about it. Of course, it's what everybody's talking about. Here it is. Punk 
Moxley, Page, Colt. Oh my. It's uh, been the big news ever since the awkward start of Dynamite. Um, if that's what you want to call it. I mean, I thought it was a little awkward too, honestly. Uh, it didn't really become awkward until Page didn't answer and he started beating on the microphone. That's when it became awkward to me. Like, at first I was like, oh, he's challenging the ex-champion. He never got the rematch. This kind of makes sense at first. And then maybe they could use it to, oh, he's overlooking Moxley type deal and thinks he's still going to be champion. And then maybe he drops it to Moxley and then we can work into something with Paige and Punk away from the title picture while Moxley goes and defends it against whoever. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what I thought was actually happening. And then when Paige didn't show up and they're in West Virginia and he's banging on the mic and it gets awkward and then he's like, that's when it got awkward for me. Anyway, that's when I t- sensed something was not quite connecting because there's no way Adam Page isn't walking down to the ring in West Virginia from the world champion challenging him, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So then news came out after the fact that there's apparently, depending on who you believe and who you don't believe, the real-life heat backstage, which I find hard to believe considering... Adam Page is the most likable guy in, on the roster. So I don't understand how someone could go out of their way to dislike Adam Page. But whatever. Adam Page isn't the fucking problem, in case you haven't recognized the pattern yet in this man's career. Are you waiting for me to re- respond, or you want me to keep going with the story? No, go ahead and finish what you're saying, but like... You're of course nobody's got a problem with fucking Adam Page, except for the guy who has a problem with apparently everybody who ever says anything even remotely fucking bad to him and just takes it personally for the rest of his life. Yeah, see, I don't think that's the case. Okay, I think this is actually a non-issue, a non-story. The big, the the story, the problem, the rift is clearly between Colt and CM Punk, and then the guys are just taking sides in the backstage area because you either like Colt or you like Punk or you're in the middle of it, you don't want to be in the middle of it, that kind of thing. That's not, I don't think it really is anything above that, okay? So, like, if Tony Khan made it, made it to where these two need to hash out some kind of fucking thing so I'm not putting this position as an owner, then we can all move past it or whatever, that's fine. I don't see why Punk would ever want to kick somebody out of the organization Anyway, especially when that person was there before you and you already knew that they worked there before you agreed and was not part of the initial contract negotiations to get rid of Colt Cabana that we're aware of, obviously. So with that all being said, uh, I don't think anything that Paige said actually bothered Punk. I think Paige and the Young Bucks and whoever else went up to bat out uh, up to bat for Colt when the reports were that Tony Khan was thinking about cutting him. Um and decided to put him in Ring of Honor instead, I think that all is what this stems from. Not necessarily actual Page versus Punk or anything that Page said in a fucking promo that didn't make any sense because Page would have had that retort when Punk came out and broke his fucking foot. It, it, all that was said before the match. Doesn't make any sense for Punk to come out and do rah-rah, hey, I'm the champion, and not go ahead and shove it in Adam Page's face from the get-go. Well, he only did the one promo, and then the I, sorry guys, I have to leave promo. So he wouldn't have been able to do it in the sorry guys, I have to leave promo because he would have looked like a fucking idiot. And he wouldn't have been able to do it in the, and he couldn't really do it in the first promo back because it, it just wasn't what it was about. So 
you find it hard to believe that someone that clearly holds grudges for a very long time held a grudge for a long time and then didn't mention it until like the first fucking opportunity he got that it made sense in context. No, I don't. I, he would have made it. He would have made it the night after. If he's really King Petty, which a lot of people, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not fucking petty, right? But he's no more petty than WWE. He had reasons to be petty against WWE. Let's not act like this is some fucking WWE's absolved of everything because Vince is no longer there, guy. Okay, so who, you're telling me that who mentioned it? WWE? Who are you talking about that he's had long petty things with besides Triple have H not, and WWE? Have you not heard about the shit with Hornswoggle? That man ain't got no problem with the fucking Hornswoggle, dude. He has no problem okay. with Hornswoggle. Okay. Anyway. Um... <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um... Let's let's do this. Let's say, uh, as you said, nobody really has a problem with Hangman Adam Page. You can't imagine anybody having a problem with Hangman Adam Page, blah, blah, blah. It's all about cult, whatever. Why then are so many of the, the reports that people are getting from people backstage mentioning that Punk had such a huge problem with the promo that Hangman cut, where he was clearly actually referencing Colt Cabana in the promo? Like you're saying, it's not about it's not about Page, it's about Cabana, but it's also about Page because Page kind of like threw that in his face while they were in the ring together, and he couldn't. Are we talking about the about Workers' it. Right promo? I'm assuming that's yes. what you're talking about. Okay, well, yes. who gives a shit? It happened a week before the pay per view. All right, mm -hmm. the match happened, and he came out exactly. the next show well, and didn't say anything. If it was really Punk and he was that really pissed off, he would have thrown that's, it in no. his face. That's a from argument. the fucking get-go no, as soon as he took the title argument. off of him. No, just because he didn't immediately mention it on the very first fucking promo he had back doesn't mean that it didn't bother him and he didn't care. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. No, you can there's still no way. Care about there's zero chance that CM Punk time. did not bring it up the first chance he got as soon as he won the title from Paige. Zero chance. The promo when he got back from winning the title was all about, like, fucking, oh, like, I'm, you know, I came back seven years, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was like a babyface fucking promo that he was cutting, so of course he wouldn't do that. Also, it didn't really fit in context. He probably didn't feel the need to. But sitting at home, stewing on it during fucking surgery and rehab, yeah, when he came back, it was the first thing he mentioned because he's a petty fuck. Like, it's not a good argument to say, oh, he didn't immediately mention it the first opportunity he could on live television, so he didn't care. That's not how that works. Well, I'm thinking, I'm telling you that I think, in my opinion, there's nothing here. There's nothing here, dude. I think they're going to use whatever the fuck they want because it's already been proven in the past that Tony Khan has done it with other people, whether it be Cody Rhodes or MJF or whoever, that they will use real-life shit and make it into a work. So even if there was a tiny bit of friction, they can amp, amp that shit up to 100 and get everybody to be a mark. So that's what's going to end up happening here. Now, so there's zero chance that whether or not Punk loses to Moxley on Wednesday, which you think he is going to lose to Moxley, which I don't have a problem with if he loses to Moxley. But there's zero chance that Punk is not against Moxley or Page or both at All Out in Chicago. Zero chance. Uh, okay, so a couple things. First of all, you think that everybody is just getting worked over a minor disagreement that they're turning into a storyline thing, but you've heard from multiple people with, like legitimate backstage sources on both sides saying, here's what the issue is on our side. Here's what the issue is on our side. That's how they know what both sides of the issue are. Yes, and... because no one's ever been wrong and their sources have never been wrong before. But you have multiple journalists. This isn't just one person. This isn't just one Do you Raj know how many people something? were reporting about the friction within the elite and the fucking EVPs a year ago? 
And there was. No, there wasn't. Not like there they was, were talking about. There was clearly an issue with Cody because he ain't fucking there anymore. Well, that wasn't. But, it, that had nothing to do with Cody, bro. That that's that's Cody where he was in the position because he put himself there. That ain't got shit to do with the rest of the EVPs, bro. None of the other EVPs were like, "Hey, don't make Cody fucking champion." Again, way off topic. What I'm saying is that they were correct in the report. I don't think there was so. an issue there, and there is clearly an issue here too. There, there, it, nobody's just fucking making up. What I'm saying is up. the issue between the EVPs was blown out of proportion. Like I'm saying, there. I'm not saying there's no issue with Punk being fucking petty about something that Adam Page said. What I'm saying well, it's it being blown out of proportion. Out, it wasn't blown out of proportion by the fucking journalists. It was blown out of proportion by the people reading that report and saying, "Oh my God, they're gonna fucking split up and like all the co- the company's crumbling." The reporters themselves never said like it was a huge fucking problem. Like you just said, they described it as friction. Okay, now here what they are describing is also a backstage conflict between popular people over a couple different things. Nobody's saying like, well, actually, some people have said that Punk was already making his stupid little fucking Punk threats um, about maybe not showing up and being dissatisfied, blah, blah, blah. But anything that you're I, I don't understand how you're comparing those two, because anything back then in the story that you're talking about, what was reported was accurate. The way that people ran with it might not have been, but what was reported was true. And here, what is being reported, again, most likely fucking true. So what is the... There is no exaggeration... Yeah, I think there's. I think it's big exaggeration. I think. Uh, I think they're going to use it into a storyline, and it'll either be Adam Page versus Punk or Punk versus Moxley versus Adam Page at All Out. Is what I'm thinking. So, the current reports were there are no creative plans right now at all for for Hangman Punk. Um, now, could they make there was some also no creative of that? plans for Dynamite to have a world title match either? Right. Could they make some out of that? Sure. Um, just like they had to do for the for the Wednesday Dynamite match. Sure. Um, that being said, even if they do try to spin this into a storyline thing, it doesn't make it any less of an actual problem, especially with the Colt Cabana shit, because you have to understand too. No, I agree. The Colt Cabana and CM Punk thing is huge. That is a huge thing. That's a huge rift in the back between those two guys. It's not the same. Like, I think the Ortiz Santana rift is bigger than the Adam Page versus fucking CM Punk shit. You, okay. So it's not just about Page though. So... You have to understand how no, close I agree. Page I agree with that. Page is obviously a big fan of, or a friend of Colt Cabana and went to bat for him on live TV in a subtweeting kind of way. Right. And you also have to realize how close Colt Cabana is with the Bucks and that Colt Cabana, if you go back far enough, is kind of the fucking reason that the Bucks are even like relevant or successful today. Because Colt Cabana is the one who came up with the whole well, the goddamn... the Bucks are the ones I was referencing when they're, they're the ones caught in the middle because they don't have a problem with punk either. Right, but of the two, you know goddamn well they're going to side way more with Cabana and side way more with Paige. Now, that just depends on who you hear the story from at the time, bro. Like, if, they, if Cole no, got into their ear no first, shot. bro, like, come on, man. No, 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 there's no shot. Listen, because it's not it about— It don't matter, dude. Do you not agree that Tony Khan needs to fucking make it work between Colt Cabana and CM Punk so that nobody has any friction about this dumb shit that happened two—what, no, seven years ago now, right? not dumb shit, though. Six years ago. It's not dumb shit. Like, it— Punk being a little bitch, like he always is, about a bunch of shit, constantly. It's not dumb shit to to tell your friend, like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pay for your legal expenses for this, like, don't worry. And then just all of a sudden not do it. Like, and get mad when that comes out. Like, no, dude, this is not dumb shit. This is 
Punk's not a great fucking person. That's it. That's the yeah, story. See, I disagree with that. I think Punk is a lot better person than everybody gives him credit for. Okay. I That's actually think the... that Adam Page and CM Punk are similar personalities as far as uh, what they want out of life or what they put into life or what they give to other people. Page is just uh, a little less vocal about it. Okay, well, let me, let me ask you this. Who has had a problem backstage with someone somewhere, literally everywhere that they've ever fucking worked? That, that doesn't mean that Adam Page hasn't. It just means that CM Punk has no problem fucking voicing his dissatisfaction with it. I have the exact same amount of problems as other people at my job, but I don't have a problem fucking telling anybody. I have zero problem with confrontation. Maybe Adam Page doesn't want to feel the—he doesn't feel the necessity to go out of his way to fucking confront those we're same just, people about that. We're just straight up fucking inventing stuff at this point. No, I'm you're not. I'm telling you exactly what the shit. fuck is happening. You are completely making up shit. To try and say, like, well, this could also be happening. We don't know. No, you ha you don't know because you've got zero. But I'm saying zero, you don't know either. You're just assuming that Adam Page I doesn't. I don't how know that they don't. How, you, can you, how can you say I'm assuming, but you're not assuming? I don't know that they don't all fucking suck each other's dicks backstage. But that's me making shit up. Just like you're making shit up. But you're like, making shit up too, though. What do no, you no, not no. understand? You are making shit up about Adam Page possibly also having the same issues, but just not saying anything about it, so people like him better, but maybe he's also a dick. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It makes you perfect sense, dude. Shit. You, see, you, can, you can use it with anybody. It doesn't have to be just Adam Page, bro. You're but, just uh, using yeah, CM Punk because he's could. vocal no, backstage? No, no. That makes no sense. People have So Cody Rhodes is an said. asshole, too, then? Cody people Rhodes is an asshole, out, too? People have come out. Cody Rhodes has problems have, everywhere he goes and talks to shit about out, backstage and people. speaks up. People have come out and said they have issues with Punk, and that Punk has issues with people. Nobody has said the same thing about Adam Page. So there is a difference. One is not being invented. One is based on actual reports and actual history. One is you saying, oh, well, he could have the same problem with people, but he just doesn't say it. That's totally different fucking, like, realms of reality. One is completely made up, and the other one is based on actual reports, evidence, and, and people saying that it's a problem. You understand the difference? All right, we're going to move on because I told you you're not going to get me riled up and you almost, you still tried to do it anyway. I don't think it's as big as issue as everybody thinks it is. I think it's bullshit. I think it's little fucking slap handy garbage shit that goes on in the back and it'll get resolved. And Punk nor Adam Page is leaving AEW, so I don't really give a shit. So we're going to oh, move on to other stuff in AEW. We're going to try to do a quick rundown of the rest of the AEW stuff because this was my AEW segment and we're already way over five fucking minutes. So... Which I already knew was going to happen. That's why I didn't set, schedule a secondary segment. So anything else on AEW Dynamite or Rampage that you would like to talk about? Maybe the trio tournament. Obviously, Kenny Omega coming back was a huge fucking deal. Uh, thoughts on the way he looked what, uh, in the match or whatever. Um, thoughts on the Dragon Lee weird thing at the end where they had to play you what happened on Rampage because they ran out of time. Um, all that kind of stuff. Miro obviously showing up and taking out Buddy Murphy or Buddy Matthews, I should say. On I think that was Rampage, though. I don't know if that was... Was that Rampage or was that Dynamite? I can't remember. And then, of course, the we opened up with the two out of three falls stuff. So any of that stuff you want to talk about right quick? Yeah, that was Rampage. Um, the two out of three falls match was really good. There's still teasing the Garcia-Jericho split, um, which seems like it's pretty much definitely going to happen at this point, um, which is weird because then you put him in, in uh, Blackpool Combat Club 2, and then it starts to seem almost a little, a little crowded there, but we'll see how that turns out. I don't think it'll be that crowded once Ring of Honor gets off the ground because Yuta, Garcia, and Claudio will probably be in Ring of Honor yeah. for the most part, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, then you had the uh, the 
um, gun club squash, which was kind of weird. Um, but then I guess that was just to set up the uh, the acclaim thing. So yeah, okay. but I really wish they didn't have to squash the varsity blondes. A lot of people hate on the varsity blondes, dude. But they yeah. one they have a winning record. Two they get better every week. Their gimmick is obviously from the '90s, so it's kind of saddling them a little bit. Plus, they already got their valet taken away from them. So I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the varsity blondes as it is the gimmick. So if they like switched over and either went more serious faces or just went heel, I think they would be a better act. I really want to see Arn Anderson put Brock Anderson with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison and create like this new faction for Arn Anderson to do something on weekly TV since Cody's no longer there. That's what I really would want to see and tell them to get more serious and just be working more of a like four horsemen type style of uh, moves and gear and stuff like that. Not necessarily be the four horsemen or anything, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. is still coming out in a fucking varsity jacket and the man's like, what, almost 30? At some point, he's going to have to change gimmicks or it's not going to get over. Um, like, it, it worked for when it worked and now it, they've got to switch up something. Um, and not just because they're they're getting squashed or whatever, but, you know, it's it's a, like they're not seen as credible. And I think the presentation has a lot to do with it. Um, I think the, yeah, if they did some kind of Four Horsemen tie-in, that would work pretty well. Um, and you could even keep Garrison there. I, I don't I don't mind Garrison at all. Yeah, um, you can keep Garrison in the group with him. I mean, just because yeah. he doesn't have a, a connected name to the Horseman doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, then the um, the Jungle Boy Christian Cage stuff is probably still some of the more the more interesting stuff they're doing right now, storyline-wise. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Christian Cage came out and be like, you made things too personal. <laughs> like, okay, buddy. Um I, I Do you like think it's weird though. that they're keeping Luchasaurus with the, the dark cane-type music and the black mask and stuff like that and didn't just Im- immediately go back to the regular Luchasaurus? Like, because well, it, it was set up like it was a swerve the entire time, but then he's sticking with the same character. So is it a possibility that he still turns heel and joins Christian later on, maybe at All Out, or is this just something where they're like, let's move in a new direction and we're not going to look back? No, I suspect they're doing the turn at All Out, so he's going to do and probably turn on Jungle Boy to have Christian win. Um, and then that just sets up another match for later. So keeps their thing going. Um, no, it's obviously deliberate. And then the uh, the trios match was really good. Um, I, I think we all knew it was going to be Kenny Omega, pretty sure. Uh, they tend to not eat stuff like that and then not do it. So I, was fu- I, I think it's funny that a lot of people had a problem with uh, the way that they built up CM Punk's return to wrestling, and everybody kind of knew but didn't know, so they tuned in. Same thing happened here with the Kenny Omega stuff. Everybody kind of knew but not for sure, so you tuned in. And why people have a problem with that, I have no idea, because literally that's how they get you to watch the show. That's why they did it, because you don't know. No one's going to just outright tell you, hey, Kenny Omega's coming. Right. Because then it's like the fans that don't know if it's or don't like Kenny Omega or are not really sure about Kenny Omega, they're not going to wait till the main event. Right, but just in case it's not Kenny Omega and it's Adam Page, who we hadn't seen that entire time because they're in West Virginia and because the Bucks asked him three goddamn different times and they still didn't show up on the rest of the show, maybe it was him. I also think that was another knock on CM Punk's promo, but then I was like, maybe they could explain it away that he didn't answer Punk's challenge because he was getting ready for the trios match with the Bucks. So like, that's what I was. My thought process was throughout the show because we didn't know anything that we know now about either the friction or that it was going to actually be Kenny Omega. Now, I didn't really know it was going to be Kenny Omega until literally uh, 
Cutler handed him the fucking paper. When he handed him the paper, I knew exactly who it was because the list of all the accomplishments and shit that he had to say, which was fucking great. The Charleston Chew is my go-to choice uh, a lot of times as well. But anyway, I do love the Charleston Chew. It's good as fuck. Um, I like that they were selling the... They're, te- they're still telling the story of, like, okay, he's not 100%. He came out in, the, like, the shirt and the brace and all that stuff. Um, he- do you think the only awkward... Really, the only awkward part of the match was when he tried to get Lee up into the one-winged angel, right? But do you think that was by design? No, it was on purpose for sure. He's They wouldn't have him come back and wrestle if he wasn't fine. Um, they've already put off the trios tournament so long that as soon as they got word, like, okay, like, he's good, he's cleared, like, he's 100%, that's when they started the whole thing. That's why it kind of seemed out of nowhere. Um, so, no, that anybody, like, I saw people on Twitter, like, oh, he came back too early, like, he fucked up, like, two moves, whatever. I was like, bro... You're so fucking clueless about the story that they're telling. The story that they're telling is, yes, he came back too early to help the the Bucks, and the reason they're doing that is probably because it sets up a reason for them to lose in the finals. Um, Besides like, Undisputed it, Elite just costing them the match, obviously. Right. And so it's just like, oh, he, he wasn't completely ready, he wasn't completely healed, but he came back to help his friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, dude, like, I just, I don't, um, I don't, I don't get people who weren't understanding the story that they were telling. What do you like think even, about uh, Callus still being saddled with Omega too, even though everybody knew that Omega was going to be cheered out of the fucking building? Um, I mean, they have to tell the end of that story somehow, so it makes sense for him to still be with him, but then do like a slow burn where it's like, hey, you're kind of a dick, and you're like steering me in the wrong direction kind of thing, or have the Young Bucks come to him and be like, hey, you know, when he was around, like, we were kind of assholes, but like, we, you know, they, they can go through that whole uh moral revelation storyline about Don Callis not necessarily being a good person and then having that There was split. a long there's I mean a long there's a lot of stuff I didn't like from JR on commentary. Dude, I can't really remember it off, off the top of my head, but when you hear it, it's like you didn't need to say that type deal. But there there is one thing I really like about JR, dude. He knows how to put over the top guys, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the top top guys, the punks, the page, the uh omegas, the moxies. He can put them over to the moon and back to make them even a bigger deal than they already are. And I want to say that's one of the reasons why TK keeps him around in mostly the second hours now and, and pay-per-views because those guys want him calling his matches in the big moments because he does know how to put over big uh, match situations. Most of those undercard shit, he's not really good with. But I will say, one of my favorite parts of JR is when Max Caster comes out and he starts saying, yo, listen, 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 like he's getting into it. Like that's one of the younger guys that besides Darby, I think he puts over Darby pretty well too. But Max Caster, I think he does a really good job with that stuff too. I think it's so funny. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I did not like from JR as far as like little one-liners here and there that just like, you really didn't need to say that, man. You kind of fucked that person over. He said, uh, so during the Brian and uh, Garcia match, he said, uh, no leg slapping here, folks. Like, bro, you, you're kind of, I don't know what kind of fourth wall shit you think you're doing, but it doesn't make anybody look good to say that. And then uh, later, in, I think it was this show too, somebody took a bump and he said something stupid like, um, oh, but they know how to fall. Like trying to be sarcastic, talking about like how people say wrestling is fake, blah, blah, blah. But bro, again, you're just, you're breaking the fourth wall in a really stupid fucking way. Because you're reminding the audience that it's not real. I don't have like, a problem with the you know, that. he knows how to fall line because he used to say that back in the Attitude Era. Of like, some idiot at home will say, oh, well, he knows how to fall. Because 
That's the same oh, shit yeah. that we always argue with other wrestling fans or non-wrestling fans about is that kind of shit. Like, okay, well, if you fall from a fucking 20-foot ladder, guess what, motherfucker? I don't care if you know how to fall. It still hurts. That's the whole point. But he said it in a weird way. I agree with you. He didn't say it the normal way that he usually says it. My problem with Jim Ross currently on commentary is um, is what you said. He's tr- I think he's he's trying to build his commentary moments based off of social media. Like, if JR was never introduced to social media and Twitter, we would have the same JR that we always had, right? I think he's reading too much shit on social media, um, which he clearly does, because if you see him on social media, you know he reads too much of it. Um, he knows people are talking shit about his uh, lack of knowing names or moves or whatever now, because he's older. But even in your old age, you could still be a credible commentary, uh, commentator, whether it's play-by-play or color because we can look at fucking uh bobby heenan who was doing it in wcw forever after the fact and he was still hilarious he still said funny shit i go back i've started watching the old nitros from the beginning because i plan on doing a um a series with ryan whenever we get our patreon up where we go back and watch the monday night wars so we'll watch an episode of nitro and an episode of raw from that same night that they were on and, you know, go through them, rate the matches, all that stuff. But I wanted to go ahead and have, like, an outline of everything that happened so I can have it all ready for us when we eventually do it. And one of the fucking best parts of Nitros is Bobby Heenan on fucking commentary. And you wouldn't believe, and you wouldn't think it was because everybody just associates Bobby Heenan with WWF and having the one-liners there on commentary and when he does promos when he was a manager and stuff like that. But he never really lost it, dude. He never really lost it. So there's... There's something to say for JR not really changing with the times, but it's not because he's not trying. It's just because he's doing it in the wrong way. I think, yeah, I think he is changing with the times, but the change is bad. So what I notice is that it seems like he doesn't remember sometimes when he's on commentary that he's not on his fucking podcast. That's what it feels like. Yes, like a lot 100. of the, yeah, a lot of the commentary that he's giving sounds sounds like shit he would like sarcastically say on his podcast and should have no place in the commentary booth. That's what it comes off like to me. All right. Anything else you want to talk about from Rampage or uh, Dynamite? Um, the so the Rampage show, uh, the Miro stuff was interesting. Uh, him bringing out the the Aleister Black mask and throwing it on the ramp, I thought was strange because you're implying that he did something to Malachi. I don't know why I just said Aleister, but Malachi. Um, you know why, Jim Ross? Yeah. Um, and then he comes out and like just fucking beats down Buddy Murphy, which is crazy. I thought he would get at least a little bit of offense. Um, so the story that they're telling there is apparently he's going to run through all three of them by himself. I mean, that's that doesn't make anybody look too good, but we'll see how they play that one out. Um, there wasn't a whole lot else. Uh, how'd you feel about the... A lot of people are complaining about the Tony Storm-Kylan King match. No, Not I liked match- it. I actually like Kylan King a lot. I think they could potentially make her into a pretty big star given the right whatever that she needs. Like, there's something missing there. But she has, like, the size, dude. Like, she's got the size. She's got the athleticism. She's got a good look. I think she just need, like, a, a like, not a, like, a, we're not talking fucking new generation character or superstars character era, but something. She needs something character-wise, I think, to to bite into. If she can get that, then yeah. She, I don't, I didn't have a problem with the match at all. I don't know what the people are talking about. That was a solid match. No, the problem with the match wasn't the match. The problem with the match was that they're like they're basically saying that stuff in the women's division doesn't have any build. They just randomly bring in Kylan King, who people pretty much only know from Dark, and nobody really knows who she is except for people who already watch the YouTube product 
They're not doing a good job building characters. Um, they did like the 920 spot, which is apparently like a really bad spot in general for ratings. So they're putting them in the death spot on the show. Um, it, it was complaints about how they're handling the division, not the match itself. Okay, well, let me go ahead and say this out of the way. We're, I'm so sick and tired, and tired of talking about motherfuckers that don't want to do any kind of homework or watch wrestling when you're a fan of wrestling and then complaining about, oh, I didn't watch the wrestling. Okay, so the YouTube comments about people being on YouTube is so fucking annoying now. I'm done with them. Like, she has a really good record that she built up in Dark and Dark Elevation. Not my problem that you don't fucking watch those shows. Bill Goldberg, his first three or four matches were on fucking Saturday night. Did you, did you watch Saturday night before he showed up on Nitro? Everybody knew who the fuck he was by the time he showed up on Nitro. You think fucking Saturday night had anything close to the same ratings as Nitro did? Come on, man. Everybody has access to YouTube. I'm so sick of the fucking shit with YouTube. Oh, oh, it was on YouTube. Okay, that means you should have been able to easily watch it at any point throughout the fucking week. Any point. I'm yeah. so tired of the YouTube diatribe like it's some fucking thing that no one can access. That makes no sense to me. It's literally yeah. the easiest thing to access on the internet. It's free to watch, and you can watch it at any time. There's no time limits on it. They're not going to take it down. You have no reason not to know who the fuck Kylan King is, especially when she was a big part of the pandemic era when we were watching week to fucking week. So... Uh, what people will generally say about that is that they they watch stuff on TV because they like um, that's where the stories advance. So they don't watch Dark and Elevation because you don't really get any stories or the main stuff advancing on those shows. Um, so they don't watch them. But yeah, then it's like, well, they're building characters that are going to eventually be on the main shows, so they are advancing stuff for the main shows. Um, the other thing about that is too with the like the records and stuff. I don't like that one either because people will complain about um, somebody showing up and having like a really high record, but they've been losing all their matches on TV. It's like, yeah, bro, those ma those other matches still count. Like if you're on a UFC fight night and you win like four four matches on UFC fight night and then you're on like a UFC pay per view, the matches on your record are still there just because you didn't watch them because they weren't on pay per view doesn't mean that they don't count. Like what are you talking about? It's still a professional. They did record. the same thing with the varsity blondes and they said did the same thing with Acclaim. Acclaim would go to dark win nine fucking weeks in a row, then come up and get a title match, and nobody bitched about that. So I, the, the thing is, is it's just laziness, honestly. That's what, that's what it, this all boils down to. You complain about the records, then you complain about when the records uh, don't fit your narrative, you complain about when they do fit AEW's narrative, then if you just take out records altogether, you're like, well, what about the records? I thought they mattered. Then you go down and you fucking build up a bunch of wins, and you come back up, hey, I got the wins now, my record matters. Hey, I don't know who the fuck you are because I don't watch that show, so this shouldn't count. These records shouldn't count. It's fucking stupid. It's lazy. Um, it is, it is weird too, because if you're going to go out of your way to watch two hours and then an hour of a show on television, there's really nothing that I can think of that would be like, okay, well, you can't, you can't like watch and then also kind of skip through if you don't really care about some people or some matches, some of the matches on dark, like there's stuff on there that I know is going to be a SWAT, like a squash match. And I just, I'm like, all right, like, I don't, I don't really care that much about that. So I'll just skip it. It takes me maybe well, even those I don't mind watching because like pretty much, you know, everybody that's going to win be, be, until the main event. And then even then you got to like a fucking 75 percent chance right. you know you're you know who you know who's gonna win right so yeah. even that stuff like even the squash matches i can learn just as much from the fucking people losing hey if they're gonna be around 
hey, when I say you should give them another shot. I mean, like, like you can sell, you can sell really well. You can, yeah. I mean, there's other stuff you can do. Maybe you got one good move in that looked really good that nobody else really does. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of cool. Maybe they should keep this person around. Like, we did the same shit with, with Powerhouse Hobbs, right? We saw how good he was. We saw how good the acclaimed were. We saw how good uh, Lee Moriarty was. Lee Johnson, there's a, been a ton of people that they've gotten from this show that you all act like you're all huge fans of, but you're telling me you'd never watch them on the YouTube show, which is where they made all their fucking improvements and character developments and shit? Like, it's just lazy, dude. It's just like they just, they started wanting to do the homework, then the roster got too big, and now they don't want to do the homework anymore. Why are you okay with watching three hours of Raw where nothing fucking happens? But I can't watch a fucking episode of Dynamite, an episode of Rampage, an episode of Dark, and a Dark Elevation. If you add up Raw and SmackDown, that equals fucking all four of those shows I just mentioned, dude. Well, yeah, so again, they're, what they're going to say, though, is that it doesn't advance any main roster storyline, so they're like, I don't, I don't care. Um, the, but the weird thing about that argument that I hear sometimes, too, is that being the elite does advance main roster storylines, and they'll still say, oh, I can't be expected to watch that. And it's like, okay, like you can skip past the parts that are like backstage skit shit. But they'll usually clip at least the important parts on YouTube. Or not on YouTube, rather, on Twitter. So it's not like you're unaware that these things are happening. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, you need a smaller clip of a 12-minute show? Yeah, I know. It's, it's fucking weird. But we can um, watch Hey EW every week. And everybody's watch watching that every week. And not, no disrespect to them, obviously, because we, we're both huge fans of RJ City and AEW, right? And the shows have gotten longer and longer. The views haven't gotten shorter and shorter, right? They're still fucking up there. So I don't quite understand the disconnect here between, hey, I'm a wrestling fan, and hey, I shouldn't be expected to watch wrestling. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the disconnect there mostly probably comes from people viewing it as such like a lesser product because it's on YouTube that they just can't be bothered to watch it. That's, that's but really it's what it directly connected to your product. It's not like, Hey, it's not like MLB. It's not like, no, MLB, it's like right? people it's not don't like, watch, Hey, no, no, you no, don't no, know that's, who this guy like, is from fucking double a that we called up. You, you're not a real fan. It's not the same as that though. It's not no, the same as it, that. It is like, okay. So to make a WWE comparison, it is like saying, Oh, I didn't know that they were in a fucking feud. Cause I don't watch main event. So, so are these same people saying, I don't know who the fuck Toxic Attraction is? Actually, some of them, yeah. Um, then have, that's the people that don't need to be called wrestling fans or need to even keep watching it then. That doesn't make any sense. You can't have fucking 80% of your audience say, hey, these guys should have been replacing. Who the fuck were these other two? And then you still have another 20% of fucking fans saying, I don't know who these guys are either. That's bro, stupid listen, as fuck. No, you can't no, be a wrestling And it's on the same networks. Same networks, dude. I don't think you understand how fucking dumb some people are. No, I do. I'm the one no, that no, no. does mark that tweet every week. Trust me, no, no, no. I'm aware, I'm not, dude. Listen, I'm not talking about wrestling. Stop. I have talked to people that have watched entire fucking series of shows, and when I mention, like, one of the main fucking characters, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like, people are just not good at consuming storylines or content or, like, narratives for whatever reason. Like, they'll say they like it, but you mentioned something about the show or some major plot twist or event or, like, something important in the narrative structure, though I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And that, that, that's not unique to wrestling. No, no, no. I completely agree with you. But here's my counter-argument for the WWE versus the AEW thing. Yeah, it can happen in WWE. That's fine. Whatever. I don't care. You have a week to watch Dark or Dark Elevation. It is free for anyone. 
anyone in, in the entire fucking world to watch YouTube. There is zero fucking reason for you to complain about having more than a fucking week to watch something and get caught up, dude. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I'm not saying that they have to watch it, but I am going to say, like, if you're going to complain about something happening on it that you didn't catch, that's kind of on you. Yes. Like, either yeah, either watch it or don't complain about it. not watching it. Great way to put it. I don't care if you watch Dark or Dark Elevation. That's fine. But don't fucking be on my timeline talking about how am I expected to know this. Are you fucking kidding me? It's like, um, it's like if, uh, okay, so... I'm going to bring this back to the Animorphs books for some fucking reason. Um, so the Animorphs series had like the 50 however many straight like in the main line narrative books. But then they had side books too. There was like Visser and the Hortbier Chronicles and like the Andalite Chronicles. There's a bunch of side stuff that did do a lot of um, like extra information about characters. They did advance the Marco plot in the Visser book. Like there was a bunch of stuff that was going on in these side books. Now, if you could, you could still watch the main, sh the or you could still read the main book series and still have a complete idea of what was going on. It's just that some of the references you would miss, or you wouldn't understand that some of the characters had already been introduced previously. There's a lot of story exposition that was done in those side books that enhanced the main book series, but you didn't need it. And I feel the same way about like Dark and Elevation. Like you don't need to watch it to still enjoy the mainline product, but if you're gonna if you're gonna come in and ask who a character is where that exposition was done externally and then say, oh, well, I have no interest in reading the external, like, suppositional stuff, that's, that's, what do you want the rest of the people to do about that? It's still all within the same narrative structure and in the same universe. So if you're choosing not to read the supplemental material, then it's on you for not knowing the supplemental material or how it ties in. So when yeah, you say, I, I don't know that's who the fuck Kylan King is. Because it's, they do the same thing in comics, right? So you read an arc in comics, it'll split off, and they'll put a little asterisk and says, Hey, this references so-and-so comic from so-and-so series, what number, everything else. So if you wanted to go out of your way to go get that comic so you can understand why they made that reference, you could bring it all together by the end of the, by the, end of the arc, and you could have all the books that correlate with that uh, story arc, right? right? It's the same thing here, though. No one's complaining to the fucking comic book writer sitting in. Why should I be expected to know this? Are you fucking kidding me? It's not Tony Khan's fault for putting a fucking product on fr a free goddamn streaming service no. and you choosing not to go out of your way to watch it. It's not his fault. It's not your fault, but don't bitch about it because that's when it becomes your fault. If they put Dark on HBO Max or something, maybe I could understand a little bit. But, you know. It's on, it's on YouTube. Yeah, if, you pay it, on, if I'm paying Twitter, $16 bro. to watch Dark and Dark Elevation, I'm probably not doing it either. I mean, I already have HBO Max, so no big deal. But yeah. that's not my point. My point is, if you didn't have HBO Max, and you already got a lot of streaming services, and you didn't want to get that to watch that, okay, that's fine. How am I expected to know? Maybe I would say, hey, they need to put a little video package in here before that because people don't have access to that. Flight team check-in from Hate Hazy, I appreciate it. But because YouTube is free... That's where it, like, really annoys the shit out of me. It's like an open book test, bro. How are you still failing? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I think at that point, we've kind of covered everything we can cover on that. It's, you, you can't complain about it and then not correct it. Um, you can't say, like, oh, I don't know who these supplemental characters or side stories are when they end up on the main stuff when you have full unrestricted access to it to learn it if you really wanted to. So. All right, let's move on.
Let's go. It's NXT Heatwave and NXT Europe. Uh, we're going to talk about Heatwave first, and then, of course, the, the mass releases uh, from NXT UK. Um, there's a lot of lot of moving parts here between the two okay so what happened was if you watch nxt heatwave you notice a lot of nxt uk characters showing up gallus blair davenport boiling Tyler shit Bate. by the way do what boiling shit what oh yeah spoiling shit yeah yeah okay yeah. Right. anyway so anyway so what happened was the nxt uk uh champions for the most part showed up right so what happened was uh tyler Bate comes out at the end to hold up his title against braun breakers now everybody's like trying to figure out what the hell's going on why is there so many nxt uk maybe a lot of people thought like uh the that one show that they had where they collided or whatever worlds collide or whatever it was called nxt worlds collide when they had nxt uk versus nxt that somebody a lot of people thought maybe that was going to happen well the next day <laughs> that's not what happened what happened was uh like 25 30 people got released okay so the people that got moved over to heatwave got moved over to heatwave on heatwave like to nxt so right. you're going to keep at least those and maybe a couple others a lot of people got released i was most shocked with like trent seven and stuff like that uh Zaya brookside um dave mastiff was a shock to me honestly i thought he was a uh, gonna be a lot better uh or a bigger deal in wwe than he was um still could be a lot of people were told that they might get brought back for the nxt nxt europe but it didn't make financial sense to hold everybody under contract when the nxt europe is not going to launch until 2023 so that's where we are right now with that now is there anything you want to talk about the nxt uk europe thing the, the, i mean the the biggest concern for me, like the what hurt my heart the most when I read it, it's not that I don't care that they're doing NXT Europe. That's cool. But the NXT UK titles are like the coolest WWE titles that they fucking have. They are fucking magnificent. And they're probably going to change. And I don't like that. But other than that, um, I'm very happy for Tyler Bate. I'm very happy for Gallus, Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, and uh, uh, Wolfgang. And then I'm very happy for Blair Davenport. Of course, she is or was the former girlfriend of Will Ospreay. Um, I'm very happy for her the, to finally come over. Um, so they, I think they made the necessary decisions, like the like the solid ones that you pretty much knew. If you were to dissolve <laughs> NXT UK, you knew who was going to come to NXT or you knew who was going to go to WWE, right? Like, like, there was no big shockers outside of like probably Trent Seven and... Maybe Zaya Brookside just because of her connections with her dad. Plus, I think she was so young that she had, a, no pun intended, high upside. So, um, so those were probably the biggest standouts for me on the surface. Now, what do you think about those? What do you think about they do with uh, NXT UK going forward based off of what happened on Heatwave? Because clearly we're going to get Tyler Bate versus Braun Breaker. And I assume it'll be merging the titles and making one because they're going to make the UK one go away and then eventually create the Europe the European NXT European title in 2023 when they launched the new brand. Is that what you're assuming as well? Yeah. Um, I mean, even also Triple H had said something about uh, the doors open for them to come back to NXT Europe or whatever. Um, but I feel like if that was entirely true, they just would have held their contracts like they did with Tyler Bate and Dragunov and whoever else, you know, um, they clearly cut them for a reason. Uh, maybe just to not pay them in the meantime, because they're not really going to be doing anything with them. But then, Plan on picking them back up, but here's my I, thing about the NXT thing. I mean, with the Triple H thing, right? So here's the here's the big cav caveat, right? 
whenever that next quarter comes up, you gotta make money somewhere to not make Vince look like he was the king of it all, right? So everybody's like, oh, if Vince leaves, WWE will crumble, right? Then the first thing Triple H does is bring back talent with we what we think is relatively similar deals than they had when they left, or maybe even bigger deals, all right, to get right. them to come back. So he's already cutting into those budget cuts that were made to make Vince look better on quarters and obviously allegations outside of the thing, right? So uh, hush, hush, no money, NDAs and shit. So when those quarters come up, Triple H doesn't want to look necessarily bad when the bottom lines come out. So what's the best way to do this? Well, if you're going to get rid of NXT UK anyway, let me go ahead and bring over the people that I know I can do something with right away, cut everybody else out, and then if they're still looking for uh, a place in 2023, I can bring them back under NXT K Europe in case it's really hard for me to fill out that roster. I think it was a smart move financially for uh, Triple H. I also think it was very smart of him to let a lot of them know, hey, I'm just doing this because we're revamping and it's going to take some time, but I uh, don't be shocked if, you know, you get another call for me to bring you in type deal. Yeah. Um... Okay, so the quarterly report stuff, yeah, it, it might look a little bit better on the sheets, but I don't think I don't think NXT UK people get paid enough to where that's like, a, I mean, I guess with all the people total they released, like even on smaller contracts, it would kind of add up on, because the way that they have to report that is... But it's not uh, just the contracts, it's also running the shows, traveling, all that stuff. I mean, you still yeah, got to yeah. pay for all those but, buildings and everything. Like, I mean, it's the whole thing's being dissolved, so yeah. You're still, pro you're still projecting increased costs for when you when you start running Europe. Um, but no, I'm, I'm just as far as the quarterly thing goes, I think they released, what, like 20 people-ish? Something like that? Somewhere around there? The last time I saw, I, I know for a fact the last time I saw it was 25. But I don't know if it actually went up to anything past that. But 25, I specifically saw that number. Okay, let's say each of them were making 100K in US. That's 2.5 million that you just cut um, in expenses. Now, let's look at who they brought back. You've got... Top Dollar and BFAB and whatever, they're probably not pulling that much. Carrying uh, Cross probably got a pretty good deal, but I doubt it's like at a million or anything crazy. Um, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai. Those could be a little bit more expensive because Io Shirai could have gone anywhere. Um, and Dakota Kai did have talks with AEW. Yeah, briefly. Um, so she would have had a leverage. Yeah, so let's say they brought back each of those even at like Dexter Loomis. Yeah, Dexter Loomis probably didn't get paid that much. I got like a 500 or something. Um, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. With, I don't think they know what the fuck they're doing with him. Um, I mean, altogether, yeah, they probably saved a little bit of money on the expense reports, but I don't think it's, it's going to be that big of a deal um, on the quarterly report or anything like that. It's not going to be like a huge number shift. I mean, if you want a huge number shift, I mean, you've got to drop the dead weight, too, though. Like, you can't just hold on to it just to hold on to it. If it's not really doing anything for you, then yeah. I don't have a problem with him sinking it and trying to revamp it from his own his own new idea, basically. Because if he gives it a fresh coat of paint and it's still his idea and it's still his thing, yeah, the, the, uh, the excitement over the beginning of it will make him enough money out, out of the beginning to warrant doing it. Plus, it saves him in the long run for the rest of this year. What I think he should do is if he's going to bring back Sasha Banks and Naomi, 
He should do it like right before the fucking coder ends and release a couple new shirts of Sasha Banks so they can fucking fly off the goddamn shelves and then he could put that on the bottom line as well. That's that would be the smart thing to do. I don't you'd have to assume that she's going to make as much in merch profit for them as her contract for the next however long is going to cost for that to look offset on the quarterly report, though. Um, if anything, it'd, it'd probably be more likely that they would um, not sign her until the beginning of the next quarter, honestly. Yeah, I was just thinking that, too. I was, um, I was literally just about to say that. that. Or then just sign her right after the next quarter starts. That way you can give her time to sell as much shit as possible. Three months of merch sales and Peacock subscriptions and whatever the fuck. Um, and Naomi, too, obviously. Yeah, I mean that that those contracts would be a big expense at this point. So, assuming that they are released and would need to be released, is that why? Fine. Do you think that might be one of the reasons why he's bringing up the smaller fish first, and then maybe if he wanted to wait till the quarter ended, like say quarter three ends, we're waiting on quarter three to end, right, and then go until the final one. I don't know yeah. what. So our fiscal year at my company starts in the middle of the fucking year, so I don't know what quarter it is for them. But like broadly speaking, yes, this would be quarter three. Okay, so like let's just say quarter three ends, and then then he would have the wherewithal to hire a Sasha Banks or Bray Wyatt, people that you know can sell merch. So yes, you'll take the initial hit, but before quarter four comes out, you're going to be fucking looking great yeah. because we know how much merchandise Bray Wyatt can push. We know how much Sasha can push. Yeah. Um. That could that could definitely be the plan. We'll see. Um, it would make sense. I don't know that... Okay. Here's the thing, too. I don't know how concerned he really is with the first quarter reports post-Vince because he can always just say, like, it was a transitional period, whatever. Like, that's not a big deal. He can and say that for a while he, if he wants. Yeah, and I'm not... By he, I don't even mean Triple H specifically. I just mean, like, whoever the whoever's having yeah, the... Yeah, Stephanie, Khan, have, whatever, yeah. Right, whoever has the fiduciary responsibility or has to explain all the shit. Um, so yeah, like I, I don't know how much that's in his mind or in their mind when they're doing these things, but it, it could be, it could be playing a part. All right, let's move right over into Raw and SmackDown since we're already kind of talking about it anyway. Um, I think the, the Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles match was really good, right? Mm -hmm. And I really liked the fact that Sheamus got the W, so we're going to get to see Sheamus versus fucking Walter at Clash at the Castle, bro, for the IC title. That's going to be fucking awesome. Two motherfuckers that like to beat the shit out of each other's chests. That's going to be crazy, and they're both going to be in Europe together. Like, that's going to be fucking nuts to me. I think that's that match has... We were always talking about there was going to be a match that was on Clash at the Castle that was going to steal the show, and I think we found our match. Yeah, that one would be pretty good. I don't, I don't know how much longer Sheamus has. Um... Or like what if they plan on building him or not, or, or what the deal is with him? Because I know that he was he had the spinal stenosis thing for such a long time, and he came back was apparently okay, um, had a pretty good run in general. But like I don't, I don't know what their long term plans are for him, or if he has any. Uh, if they are planning on keeping him around a while, I don't think he's a bad contender to take the title. But I I don't know. I, I mean we already know that Triple H where they are. Triple H is a big Sheamus guy. We know right. this for sure. But he's, so but if Sheamus can go at all, Triple H is going to keep him around. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if you put the title on him right now, but I will say that if Triple H plans on using him and pushing him and Gunther or Walter, I'm calling him Walter, fuck it. Walter still wins. How, who the fuck does Walter lose to at that point on SmackDown? Drew McIntyre yeah. later on, maybe? Well, they've also been building the, um, 
the split with uh, Gunther and, and his dude, so they may just not pull the trigger on that just to finish out that storyline. We'll see. Or maybe he helped Seamus win. Who knows? I mean, I just um, really hope that they have something significant happen at Clash of the Castle for the UK fans, right? So, like, we all have the same gut feeling down here that nothing really big or major is going to happen at this pay-per-view. All the champions are going to fucking keep their titles in some way or another, whether they, whether they get counted out, DQ'd, or straight-up win. And I don't want that to be the case. I want the UK fans who finally got a fucking show to have something significant happen on their show so it doesn't look like they just went to a goddamn a tour live event. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... I want something to happen. So, I mean, I won't have a huge issue if Sheamus beats uh, Walter Ford and they could still move the feud around with you, too, where, like, maybe he's asking Ludwig for some help and Ludwig doesn't give him the help or some shit like that. You know, something like that. But anyway... The Wardlow spot. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's fine with me um, if Sheamus ended up winning in the UK because I, we both don't think that Drew's going to win in the UK. So, like, if you, you want somebody to get a W over there, right? So... I just want something significant to happen over there. Just like I wanted something significant to happen in AEW for the Canada crowd. I want something significant to happen there. So, because I always feel bad because they don't get a lot of these shows or whatever. And they're the hottest crowds. They're some of the hottest crowds. Like, we've got Chicago. We've got New York, right? We've got, by the way, West Virginia was on fire. I gave them props on Twitter as well. I think you guys should get a bigger show based off of what you guys did on Wednesday. That was a hot fucking crowd. Um, so there are certain crowds that are just like, obviously it's Chicago, Philly, New York, right? But outside of that, no one touches Canada. No one touches UK crowds. Like they're just, they're up there with those three easily, if not more so. So like, it sucks when they get a, finally get a fucking show out there so long and then nothing happens on the show. I feel terrible about it. It's stupid. Yeah. It's basically a glorified house show at that point. Um, yeah, I could see them. I could see them doing a Sheamus win just to just to pop the hometown crowd and then having him drop it like another month or two later. Who knows? Do we we'll think see. that maybe Tyler Bate versus Braun Breaker happens at Clash of the Castle, or are they going to have their own separate show at Clash of the Castle? The NXT guys. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is for that. Don't you think that would be weird not to have the NXT UK champs because you just brought them all over to America and then go do Clash of the Castle? Got to have it somewhere. If you if not, have your own show or something. Like they haven't a, like, really. I mean, you can't call it really takeover or anything, but you got to have something. Even if it's on the show. As far as I know, they just did the face off, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So, uh, anything else from Raw or SmackDown you want to talk about? Significant that you? I mean, Toxic Attraction obviously won, so they're in the final four now of the tournament. Um, Mandy did not come up with them. Mandy beat Zoe Stark on Heatwave to keep the title for longer, which a lot of people were also shocked about. Um, but it made sense because if Zoe was the one that was technically hurt, you can't have the champion not show up because she was hurt and then try to explain it on NXT that she's still champion instead of giving up the title. So, like, you can't do it both ways. So it made sense for Mandy to win in that aspect. Um, I Okay, so some other stuff on there. There was the... Um, the... Uh, Riddle and Rollins segment um, where Riddle was like surprisingly there when he wasn't supposed to be or whatever. Um, the still doing Judgment Day Rey Mysterio shit, which at this point feels like it's been going on for a fucking year. I, they've got to get to a, an end of this at some point. Like it's too long now. It's way too much. Move on. Um, there was a, 
You mentioned the the Lashley and Styles match. That was good. Um, Theory and Ziggler was that night too. Yeah, it was the um, main event of Raw. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was okay. It should have been the main event. Bobby Lashley yeah. and AJ should have been the main event. Right, since they actually have a title. Um, and then Damian Priest and uh, the Damian Priest challenge on Edge or whatever. I feel like that's like a. You know, I uh, I don't see how you have Damian Priest win that without bullshit. But Edge needs to win more. He's got to get, he's got to get the win back over the, the faction that turned on him or whatever. And it's not over Balor, so it doesn't make anybody look too terrible. And then Edge can move the fuck on. So funny though, because it's all, well, it's not gonna move on. He's just gonna fight Balor. But the uh, the thing is, is you have a group that kicked out a leader that created the group two weeks after he created the group. Um, it wasn't that short, was it? Then you then you say that you don't need a leader and you're all on equal ground, yet he's going to defeat Damian Priest to move up to Finn Balor, who's clearly the leader. That doesn't make any sense. Like you everybody knows Finn Balor's the goddamn leader of the group, bro. Like I listen, the way that they've been doing shit, it feels more like Rhea Ripley's the leader. Like if I mean, you had to either, say there either was way, a leader. it doesn't matter because it still goes yeah. back on what they said in the promo, but whatever. Right. You could tell Priest is not it. Right. All right. Let's uh move over to the G1 Climax 2022. This is the 32nd, I believe, Climax uh, from New Japan. And your boy Okada wins it. He made it rain again. Let's fucking go. Okada beat Osprey in the finals. We talked a little bit about the final four, or no, right before the final four was decided last week. Uh, yeah. What ended up happening was Osprey got in. Uh, David Finley got in, right? If I'm not my, That's right, right? Into what? No, Finley. Yeah, it was Finley versus Os. No, it was Naito versus Osprey. My bad. Uh, Naito versus Osprey and Okada versus Tamatanga, mm-hmm. and Ryan called it on the Jay White thing. Jay White lost to uh, Tama, so Tama will get a shot at Jay White later, but he'll probably lose. And then Okada, who beat Tama and then beat Osprey in the final, will probably get a match. Well, we'll get a match at probably Wrestle Kingdom against whoever the champion is by the time we get there. So. Right. Two questions. What did you think of the final? Did you think the right person went over? A lot of people got it wrong. A lot of people were assuming that Osprey was going to win, and it wasn't just some by off my eight-person poll. It was a lot of people. If you actually look at the timeline, I posted the poll late, so I didn't get as much interaction as I wanted to. But anyway, a lot of people thought Osprey was going to win. Okada wins again, second year in a row, and I don't remember how many overall, but a lot. Um, so he's going to go to Wrestle Kingdom. I believe Wrestle Kingdom is only going to be one night this year, or this coming up year. That's what I've been reading. And... So two questions. The, that one, do you think uh, the right person went over? What did you think of the final? Uh, Two-part question. And then who do you think Okada fights at Wrestle Kingdom? Or do you think he loses that shot? Because sometimes they will defend it before that. Do you think he loses his shot at Wrestle Kingdom before that? I don't think he will, but who do you think he fights at Wrestle Kingdom? It'll probably still be Jay White. He and Jay White have like a really long, uh, I guess, series where Jay White is, has beaten him a lot more than he's beaten Jay White. Uh, at some point, they'll need to reconcile that by having him go over him clean for the belt. So that makes a lot of sense to me with, with the way that Gato books. Um, Jay White's been pretty dominant for a while. It's probably time to get it off of him, uh, just to do something a little bit different. It'll, it's probably just going to go all the way to Wrestle Kingdom with the way that it is now. It's only a few months. Um, I'm, can I well, say something right quick? And I, I don't know if this is going to shock you or not. Mm. But, you know, we do Mount Rushmore's every now and then on the show. Um, we used to mm-hmm. do them all the time on the audio podcast, and we will bring them 
to the Patreon eventually as well. We're going to literally have significant, like, singled out videos of our different Mount Rushmore's for a variety of wrestling topics. Um, it's one of my many ideas for the Patreon. Um, but no joke, if if Okada wins at Wrestle Kingdom and becomes champion again, I don't know how I can sit here on the show as a wrestling fan and not have him on my Mount Rushmore of all-time wrestlers. If you go back through his history, he has had a an insane rival rivalry with Tanahashi, Omega, and now Jay White. Like that's fucking crazy. All while in between, still winning G1, still winning New Japan Cups. Like, how is Okada? I mean, everybody talks about oh, Okada is one of the best in the world. But when they're saying it, they're talking about in the present. When are we going to start talking about Okada being one of the best? for all time um i already do so i don't don't know what you mean um is he on your mount rushmore right now though or like is he close of all time all time yeah yeah, all time i mean he's he's definitely like top eight easily um so yeah i mean he's already he's always in the conversation it's just hard that there's you know you're talking about decades of history of wrestling so it's difficult but yeah i mean i don't i don't think anybody doesn't at least play him in in top 10 of all time already um if they don't it's either because they don't know him or don't know what he's done um can you think of anybody else that's had a like a three huge rivalries like that like even flair if you talk about flair flair and dusty was a long rivalry but they didn't wrestle like that many times if you think about it right i mean they did on like the the house shows and stuff they wrestled a million times, but you get what I'm saying. Like in big spots, and they wrestled in big spots at like Starcades and shit. But they only wrestled a few times because Dusty retired shortly after Ric Flair became the Ric Flair that we had all known, like the heel uh, limousine ride in Ric Flair, right? The the Nature Boy, basically. Um, so he had he had Dusty, Steamboat, and uh, Sting, right? I'm not comparing that to fucking Okada's. Omega Tanahashi and Jay White do like that's better to me. Like who had yeah. better three fucking significant rivalries like that? That massive. Can you think of anybody? Kabashi Masawa, Kabashi um Akiyama and then Kabashi um Kikuchi, um, or not Kikuchi, um, Sasuke, Sasuke. So, it, I mean, it's hard. Um, you have to go back a little ways. Um, you could say, I mean, you could make the argument for Kenny Omega if you say, because obviously Okada's one of them. And then you could say he's had the one, it's kind of, I don't know if you would count it as a rivalry so much, but I kind of count the one with Ibushi as a rivalry, just like a friendly one. But they, they have had matches. They did build to like matches against each other. Um, they did have like a pretty long story arc uh, that was pretty much based on him not feeling like he measured up to him anyway. Um, I would count that. Um, The thing is, he's had really good, like, he's had amazing matches with Naito, but their their personal interactions weren't so, like, serious. 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be it'd be difficult. Um, I could probably come up with a few if I had more time, not on the spot. I just think the the magnitude of Okada's rivalries with those three guys and how long they lasted and how many of them how many of them uh, involved uh, a win and go home situation or a title situation like fucking Okada doesn't it's still it's weird because Okada still doesn't feel like he's been wrestling as long as he has in New Japan but think about what all that he's done even people that had really good rivalries don't span over the time frame that Okada's had it with three different people it's crazy dude it's it's weird to me and then you think about it Tanahashi's like the older guy because he was the first one that he had this feud with then Kenny Omega was the up-and-comer that came onto the scene, and everybody was like, holy shit. And now Jay White is like the 29-year-old dude that he's doing all these fucking matches with. And you don't really see that. And Okada looks like he's fucking not aging. Now, of course, Okada has those down moments, like we always talk about Okada being Okada, right? But when, with just in the confines of those three rivalries, and how when every time they fight, it seems like it's a big fucking deal, I don't see anybody else having that magnitude of rivalries that often. Um, and when I say rivalry... In America, you've got what I what I mentioned already: Steamboat, Flair, uh, HBK, Bret Hart. Like even those, uh, they lasted a long period of time. But that was like their only guy. Damn. That was even close. Like yeah, people say Bret Hart and Austin, but Bret Hart and Austin only fought a couple times. They had a one feud together. It wasn't like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, where they wrestled in a fucking tag team against each other. Then they wrestled singles for the IC title against each other. Then they wrestled for the world title against each other. Like, but and that's only one rivalry. Okada's had three of them. Back to back, you could say, as well. How do you think uh, Omega Page is going to be remembered? See, Omega Page is still, is still in its infancy. So, as far as I'm concerned, because they've only really wrestled one high-profile match against each other. And that was in AEW. Well, two, two. Um, but uh, yeah, so that I'm not going to say that doesn't have the potential. But Kenny Omega, we already know, and he knows, and he will tell you firsthand that he's more at the end of his rope than he is at the beginning of his rope. So I don't know, based off of when he's coming back and how much he wants to do other stuff, or if he wants to uh, divide his time and try to make other people on the way out and have really good matches with as many people as he can so people can say he was the best ever, you know, stuff like that. Um, I'd be more inclined to think Paige could use this instead of Omega. You know what I'm saying? Like, so Omega could use this to hype up Paige, and then Paige could be like, okay, my first really good rivalry was Omega. And then Paige would have a better shot at getting two more before he said it was over for him, if that makes sense. Like, more Paige would be more in the position of the Okada right now than Omega. Omega would be more in the position of the Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. But like if you said like if you if you're counting Ibushi and then we're obviously counting Okada, if he has a really good fucking rivalry with Paige, then yeah, obviously he's up there. But I think it would actually benefit Paige because of how much time he seems to have left in the in the business. If he can get off to that hot start with him and then move on to somebody else. Um, so I don't I don't know. I think there's potential for it, but I just don't know how somebody's going to do it three times at that high of a level. Like Okada's doing. Okada's up there, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think anybody would say that he's not, unless they're just not familiar with his work. That's what I was saying. I think anybody that knows of him or has been watching him would probably put him in the top ten. 
So the the question of like when when are people going to start start considering one of the best of all time? I think they already do if they're familiar with him. But I'm saying if he I'm saying if he wins the title, I'm mm-hmm. kicking somebody off my Mount Rushmore. I don't know who yet. Somebody's got to go though. Okada's got to be up there. He kicks CM Punk off. He's not very good. He's not even on my Mount Rushmore. See there. Nice try though. You're not gonna get me, bro. All right. So mm-hmm. let's go to the last topic. We got to talk about Yuka Sakazaki winning the tjpw princess cup wait i don't think it happened last week i think it happened early this week i can't remember but i feel like i was like oh i gotta bring this up on the show technically um, it was so like definitely want to bring this up yeah it was like a few hours ago wasn't it, it wasn't that long ago no it was a couple days ago a few days ago like five days ago i believe oh i just read about it recently um but yeah, like, obviously, about it, like if you're not morning, familiar with Yuka Sakazaki, she's from AEW, or she is in AEW, rather, back and forth. Uh, she was in the early stages of AEW before they had the pandemic, and she went back to Japan or whatever, so she wasn't able to get over. And then she eventually came back after, like, 16 months or some crazy shit, got a couple wins, then went back again. Um, I believe she was in DDT as well, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so she went to TJPW for their Princess Cup, and she ended up winning the whole fucking thing against Wannabe in the finals. So that was pretty fucking cool. Um, I guess my question to you, um, based off of this, is do you think that her win helps her prospects of winning an AEW title, or will it do nothing as far as AEW goes? Do you think this actually helps her prospects going forward whenever she comes back to AEW, like like a Riho or 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 whoever, whatever? Uh. If I recall correctly, the winner of that tournament or cup or whatever ends up doing like a bigger match against somebody else for some other show, if I recall. It's like, um, I forget exactly what the yeah, show is. Yeah, they get to like pick a title shit. or something, right? Don't they get to pick a title that they go for or some shit? Or is that stardom? Man, that may be stardom. They go to, I might have I think them they go to, episode. it's got some weird, it's like Wrestle Princess or some shit is what she's going to because she won that. So, I mean, if she wins that too, then sure. Um, I'm sure they they might mention it or whatever. Um, oh, there's no way if she comes back, Excalibur doesn't mention it as an accolade. Although, why would anybody be expected to know anything about it? Now, if you didn't want to go out of your way to go watch TJPW or try to find out how to watch TJPW, I have a lot less issue with that than free YouTube, but whatever. So, like, uh, but yeah, like, obviously, Riho came in and she was hot-shotted to the top made her a big deal got the championship what i'm saying is is i believe yuka sakazaki is a better wrestler than riho and i was just curious what you thought your thoughts were if like this was going to have any bearing on her position in aw or will it be too late by the time she comes over because they're already hiring a bunch of other uh wrestlers like the athenas and the ruby sohos and uh you know potentially more people it honestly probably won't make that much impact for how they book her I think she'll be in the same spot. They might mention it on commentary or something like that, but it's not like they're gonna they're gonna suddenly give her like a title run or anything crazy like that over it. Do you think uh, there's a lot of chatter about AEW possibly bringing in AEW's women's tag team titles? Um, and I feel like it's heated up over the last few weeks. Do you think uh, a valid tag team would be her and Riho in that division? Um, I guess, but I mean, people are going to complain that they're like too small and whatever the fuck. Like, I don't, 
I don't know that they need to be in. I would rather have her chasing like the TBS title or something once it's off Jade. Um, both of them, honestly. I mean, Riho obviously could go back for the world title. I. Do you think Riho's a better wrestler than Yuka Sakazaki? Yes, but not more credible, if that makes sense. I think she's a better wrestler. But I think that Yuka has an easier time making it believable that she could beat someone. Because, and I, you know, the weird thing about it is, too, they're not significantly different in size, but I think it's just Yuka's, like, ring attire makes her look less um, small. Yeah, the parachute so, pants, the magic girl, the genie, whatever. But well, she also has better, she's better athletically than Riho. It's not even close. You think? I do. I think so. Like, I think Riho is a better uh, technical wrestler yeah. on the mat. Yeah, but Yuka Sakazaki, better high flyer, not even close. But yeah, I, I hope it leads to bigger things for her because I think it's pretty cool that she won. I always wanted her to win more than she did in AEW anyway. I always preferred her over Riho. So that's pretty cool for her to win. And I'm hoping it parlays into something in AEW, honestly. But like, if they did have an AEW women's tag team titles uh, introduced next year... um like early next year or whatever, and you wanted to put the titles on Riho and Yuka Sakazaki or have them be a mainstay in the division in a credible threat, I think it could definitely work out. But yeah, like if she was to come over and win an actual title, the TBS is the where I would go with that as well. And I think having the TBS title helps people like a Yuka Sakazaki um, because there's more opportunities for women, especially singles wrestlers in AEW because of that extra division. Okay, that's the hot tag topics for you guys. We are going to now go to everybody's favorite part of the show before we get out of here, and that is Mark That Tweet. You ready for this one, man? Uh, Yeah, I don't think I've seen this one. Here we go. Mark That Tweet brought to you this week by at Arion Not Ryan. Um, anyway. Not me. He was replying to at Russell Ops, Edge return was better than Punk returns. <laughs> I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to read it how he wrote it because that's part of the funny. Um, here's the proof. Edge gives, by the way, I love, thank you for using the apostrophe, apostrophe, but then literally using no other fucking, uh, uh, fuck, God damn it. Uh, grammar. First of all, that's a comma. No, I'm talking about the apostrophe and the hears. We use commas in Roman, Seth, Randy. Yeah, I know he did that, uh, but I'm talking about hears, the proof. That's the part I'm on right now on the tweet. But anyway, so he puts that, he puts the apostrophe, I mean, the, uh, yeah, he puts the apostrophe in hears, but then doesn't do like a colon, semicolon, nothing after proof. It just starts a new fucking line. Like, it's so weird how he did this. It's almost like he hit, um, like, left justified on his tweets. <laughs> it's so fucking odd. He's doing a telegram. Edge return was better than Punk returns. Okay, well, first of all, Edge had returns, and Punk had one return. So that's backwards. Uh, here's the proof. Edge gives iconic feud with Roman, Seth, Randy, Miz, Styles, and now he is trying to give a... Try okay, we, we can basically just 
mark this out because you I mean he's literally saying that he's trying to do something which means he hasn't done it yet but he's trying to use it like he has done it already so he's just assuming that Edge's feud with Balor is going to be iconic by the way just so you know I love that he uses this word too um but anyway very nice of Edge to give Roman Seth Randy Miss Styles and potentially Balor iconic feuds whereas Punk did nothing thanks to MJF who made him relevant in AEW. Make it make sense. There's a period at the end. Congratulations. Um, where to begin with this one? First of all, Edge doesn't give iconic feuds to anyone because he's not in charge. Um, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, iconic feuds? So when we look back at Edge's best feuds of all time, are we going to bring up Seth, Roman, Randy, Miz, AJ Styles? Do you think we're going to do that? Uh, probably not. Um, so, okay. Punk had... Would you say... Okay, so the problem with Punk's return, if you're going to try to, like... If you're going to try to support this guy's point in, like, the best way you possibly can... You could say that some of the matches that Punk had when he got back weren't like proper feuds. They were like one and done. So he had like a one and done with Darby. He had a one and done with um, Hobbs, but that was kind of part of a feud. Like they did a, an angle with Team Taz over multiple weeks. Um, the one and done's with QT Marshall into Matt Seidel. They were fine, I guess. Um, but they weren't, like, feuds. So I guess if this guy just values, like, feuds, it kind of makes sense. But the problem is, I can remember each of the matches that I just mentioned without really having to think about it that hard. And they weren't even, like, the big things that Punk has done since he got back. You know, you should talk about, like, the MJF stuff and all that. The Hangman stuff. Um, so just because he had more feuds doesn't mean they were more iconic and it certainly doesn't mean that the matches were better it doesn't mean they were more memorable uh it doesn't mean that it was better for anybody involved i don't I, what is the it's a weird thing to try to compare in the first place um okay so let me let me the the, the problem here is that Punk is an older wrestler, and the guys that we're mentioning are young, younger uh, wrestlers as far as the casual wrestling audience, like the broad spectrum of wrestler wrestling audience, right? Edge gives iconic feud to Roman. What did Roman gain by beating Edge? What did Seth gain by being in a feud with Edge? What did Randy Orton gain by being in a feud with Edge? What did The Miz and AJ Styles gain from being in a feud with Edge? They were already long they already have long histories in wrestling and in WWE being in a feud with edge doesn't automatically make it iconic. CM Punk versus MJF feud was iconic. CM Punk versus Darby Allen feud. When he first came in, I wouldn't say it was iconic, but it was a really good feud. And it was better than all the ones that he just mentioned on his tweet. The one with Eddie Kingston was better than all the ones that he just mentioned on his tweet. I'm, I wouldn't even put page in it because it was pretty much a one and done concept unless they wrestle again. So I can't even use that as an example. It had good buildup, but I wouldn't call it a feud necessarily. Um, and I wouldn't even do the 
probably the Darby one either. The the Eddie Kingston one was a feud because of what happened in the past. The MJF one was a feud because of what happened in the past. If I literally just take CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston and CM Punk versus MJF and put them together on the side, Edge is down to nothing, and none of these count as iconic feuds. Like that, none of these are iconic feuds, dude. This makes no sense. So Punk, since his return, is up two to nothing in my opinion over Edge. This guy, because of the way he worded it, doesn't make any sense. Do I think Edge is a better wrestler right now today than CM Punk? Yes, I do. Yes. I'm not saying that Edge couldn't have those exact same kind of like really good matches with the MJF or Eddie Kingston or whatever. But to say that he gives an iconic feud, it's almost like you don't understand what the word feud means. And or the iconic. reason, the, one of the biggest things about a feud is the story behind the feud. Okay, so listen, if you're going to make the argument that Punk's shit with MJF and Eddie Kingston was good because it built off a of past shit, you have to make the argument that Edge was building off a of past shit with Randy. Like, there's no doubt. But it's so not that's, iconic. That's my point. Just, okay. that's just because you had a long feud doesn't mean it's good. And again, you, make, you would make the same argument with Seth, too. So you can't just say, oh, yes, it I had can when I tell you that it. it's not iconic. I'm not, he didn't say that they just had long feuds. He's saying that they were iconic feuds. They're not. Okay, so what does iconic mean to you? Really fucking good. Something that you look back on and you can remember certain things in the match or the, the matches, where they happened, the, what happened in the match, shit like that. Uh, good spots in the match. That's iconic, bro. Everybody so knows what the fuck iconic means except for this guy. So yours is more like punk shit was more memorable. Yeah. That's your, okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck you're, where you're no, at. What we're okay. trying to figure out is what this guy's talking about, because clearly he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's not well, using the right words or whatever he's trying to say. He's not saying it correctly. This guy's already a fucking idiot, because at the bottom he says, Punk did nothing thanks to MJF who made him relevant in a... I don't even know what the fuck that means. So I'm not even talking about this guy at this point. Um, he's... I, so I don't you're know saying, like, if me and you were having the conversation about who had the better return and leaving this right. guy completely out of it. No, yes. I think Punk has had the better return since he's come back. Also, yes. you got to take into consideration... I, I also have to take into consideration that Edge has been back for a lot longer than Punk has, and yet Punk has still had more memorable things happen than Edge has. Yeah, um, I probably agree with that. Uh, so the... The tweet itself is obviously fucking stupid. Like, you can't just say, oh, he had an iconic feud with Miz. I, I don't even know what the fuck that means, first of all. Nobody's had an iconic feud with Miz. Maybe Daniel Bryan. But that was all on Bryan. Um, Can I say this, too? I think Christian has had a better comeback than Edge. Then Christian's shit with Kenny Omega and Christian's shit currently with Jungle Boy he had way is too better than downtime. anything that Edge has had. He had a lot of downtime, but the things that he has done have been better. Um, the Christian has had better matches. Besides, the, the one big match that I think Edge had, like, that, that we look at, and it was a really good match, also had Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan in it. Right. So did yeah. Edge really have a good match? Or did he get carried to a good match because he only had to wrestle one-third of it, and the other two were Daniel Bryan and heel Roman? I think the only one of those things that he listed that you could call, like, iconic would be the Randy stuff, and that's just because it had so much back history going into it, and it sort of felt like closing, like, a whole chapter or whatever like there were memorable parts of that um yes like and i agree with i agree with the backstory of it right but the right. the iconic part is where he loses me because we're talking about edge since he had returned and once after he returned and they got back into the story with randy they ran it into the ground to where it was no longer iconic and you didn't want to see it anymore right. iconic doesn't mean hey i don't ever want to see this shit again 
That's more like, get this shit off my TV. I don't, that's not what Iconic is, bro. Iconic is like, I want to see more of this. Like, if they say Punk versus fucking Eddie Kingston next week, I'm fucking going to be as close to the TV as possible. Yeah. Um, no, this, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about. I'm just, again, trying to figure out. No, no, I, I, no, 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 I'm not mad at you or anything. Like, I, I think this guy is an idiot. Obviously, we're on the same page there. But I'm just saying... Yes, out of the names that he listed, the one that had the most backstory was clearly Randy Orton, right? We all know that. Seth Rollins had a decent amount of backstory if you really followed it because they had segments here and there while he was you actually hurt. Me and to do his homework? He was going to break the neck. He was going to break the neck. Remember, he was going to break the neck, right? When he was yeah. part of the shield, I mean, uh, part of the authority and all that shit, right? Right. So, yeah, we get that. Like, he had moments with Seth, but that wasn't iconic. The matches itself weren't iconic either because I don't remember shit from the matches besides the triple threat at WrestleMania. Um, I remember some of the greatest wrestling match ever, but it's not for because good it points. wasn't that's because it was I mean yeah. that match was actually better than their WrestleMania match, but it was long as fuck and I was just like, come on bro. What, no, the WrestleMania match was so bad. So long, dude. Oh my god, it was the worst. Thank God for Undertaker and AJ Styles that year. Um, iconic feud there. Um, they, um, I, I don't, okay, so the, More, I don't know what he's talking about. Iconic moment. I wouldn't even say the AJ Taker was iconic feud, but iconic match, I believe, yes. I'm trying to figure out the last line here. Whereas Punk did nothing thanks to MJF who made him relevant in AEW. Punk did nothing thanks to MJF who made him relevant. So he either so he did become relevant. So you can't say he did nothing. But also, do you think that of the two of them, on any like mainstream level, like any kind of draw level, anything like that, that Punk needed MJF to make Punk relevant? That's fucking weird. I'm pretty sure they were both already relevant. Not only they were they both... both already relevant, but the whole connection was because Punk was relevant so long ago while MJF right. was a kid <laughs> that they yeah. literally built the story off of how relevant Punk has been in his career and when he was gone for the seven years. So yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. That is one of the worst lines ever. Whereas Punk did nothing thanks to MJF who made him relevant. So I think that's what he means. He's saying Punk did nothing in the MJF feud and MJF is the one that made Punk relevant. Now... Is Punk as uh, MJF a better wrestler than CM Punk right now? Yes, obviously. MJF's match with Darby Allen was far superior than CM Punk's match with Darby Allen, even though I still really liked Punk versus Darby for Punk's first match back in seven years. Yeah, I think that match was really good. But MJF versus fucking Darby stole the show that show that pay per view. I believe it was an all out, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, that match was fucking insane. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and argue that. Edge is not a better wrestler than CM Punk right now, or that MJF is a better wrestler in the ring. The, pro the problem with feuds is it's a lot of shit. It's the story behind it. It's the promos leading up to it. It's the match execution afterwards. Like, all that has to be taken into consideration. And Edge is a solid wrestler, but he's not doing anything out there that's making me think back to a specific spot like that was cool as fuck. But if you attach other things to it, like what Punk did with the uh, dog collar match, with MJF, I can specifically point out spots. I can spe specifically call out spots for, with him and Eddie Kingston as well. Um, and that's the thing that 
makes matches different from other matches is like the spots and where they're placed and the pacing and all that stuff and all that shit matters dude and i cannot sit here with a straight face and say that edge's return since he came back at the royal rumble which was, was cool. a better return than cm punk and even though edge had a huge pop including from me on my couch no one and i can't see anyone ever out popping cm punk's return so even the returns side by side punk squashes edge so i don't know what this fucking guy is talking about I, the the iconic feud thing is just weird to me because i don't remember any match from the edge roman shit except for the triple threat and that's because of the weird finish where he pinned both of them at the same time so it's not like it was some like I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember yes, it wasn't the like match. Edge enhanced the match. A lot of people thought it should right. have just been Daniel Bryan versus fucking Roman. If you remember right. correctly, Edge wasn't even needed in the match. Right. And then you had the, the Seth match. I don't remember their matches at all. The Randy match, I only remember because of the greatest wrestling match of all time shit and the weird WrestleMania match that wasn't very good. No, the only thing I, I remember from the feud with uh, Rollins was when he brought back the brood music and everybody lost their shit. That's, yeah. not, that's not what makes an iconic feud, bro. Because you came out to a, an old song that everybody loved once. That doesn't make any sense. The Miz shit, I fucking completely forgot about. The mixed tag at WrestleMania, yeah. That, I mean, how, did, how was that an iconic feud? Iconic, bro. And then Styles was, I mean, it was good matches. But there, was, there just wasn't enough build to it for me to give a shit. You have to have both. So I don't. And that also came off the heels of Edge turning heel and nobody really wanted to boo Edge because everybody was still, right. like, happy that he was back. So that didn't make any sense either. That actually hurt the feud. Right. So, no, the only, you can make an argument for the Randy thing being iconic, but the stuff that he did since the feud was already iconic kind of made it worse. Honestly, for... if, if Orton had never turned on him after the, after the Royal Rumble when Edge came back, and mm-hmm. Orton never turned on him, dude. I think it would have been considered more iconic if they would have won like a maybe another tag team title run or something as uh, as rated RKO. Like that would have been better to me because of all the shit that they had been through. Like that would have been more iconic to me because it had a better connection to the past. Whereas, okay, he came out, he does his little thing where he throws out Orton. Of course, Orton does his shit. Orton comes out. Uh, good job. And then Orton turns on him just like he does every fucking time. That just made Edge look stupid. You should have already known that Orton was going to do that, dude. There's four people that you don't get in a tag team with in WWE. That's Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Christian, and Shawn Michaels. They all turn on you, bro. Every single one of them. The other so funny that just part made is Edge like, look stupid. The most iconic part of this segment of the, of the Edge-Orton shit didn't even have Edge in the segment. It was him RKOing Beth Phoenix. <laughs> so, like, what do you... That was the most memorable thing to me. That was the thing that stood out the most for their whole feud. So, yeah, I don't... I don't know what the fuck this guy's All right, about. sorry, at Aryan, not Ryan, whatever the hell that means. We gotta Aryan. hit you. We gotta know. mark this tweet officially. Let's fucking do it. You don't know shit! Your opinions suck! You fucking mark! Sorry, buddy. Sorry. You're officially in the record books of Mark That Tweet. Terrible take. Uh, not the worst take we've had on the show, I'll say that. I will no, say that. It's not worse. even close to the worst. You're not on the Mount Rushmore of Mark That Tweet. At least we um, had to actually talk about it a little bit. But no, it is very dumb. Yeah, you, you generated a conversation, but I still don't think it was really 
close enough to even bring it up on the show but whatever i think yeah. i think a bigger better argument would have been christian versus edge's returns because they were uh closer together mm. and because they were around the same amount of time apart and uh because the they argument there actually have a connection edge. together as well yeah. the edge argument there would be who's better argument there would be edge has done more but christian has won a title and done no, what i would say like more like, no i got an easy way for you to sum it up bro edge quantity christian quality yeah that's what i'm saying like he's actually won a title he's like had better matches but technically edge has done a lot more so that's really what you would be weighing all right so there is the show for you guys today thank you for joining us don't forget 24 hour stream Right there. There's some more details about it. It will happen Friday, August 26th. I do have 8.30 p.m. written on there. Don't be shocked if I go live at 8. And don't be shocked if I go live at 9. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know when I'm going to wake up. But as soon as I wake up, I will be hitting the live button. Of course, I will be streaming tomorrow morning as well. And uh, if you want, let me go ahead and hit up the discord in the chat as well there's my discord right there i do have a wrestling server in case you guys are interested in the re talking wrestling but i also have game servers and uh, i'll be streaming some video games and keeping my regular schedule for the rest of this week and then of course the 24-hour stream on friday which i'm hyped about uh for the second anniversary twitch affiliate uh 24-hour stream where we will help out animals here at the local humane society of southern mississippi um yeah so we're really looking forward to next week's show though because next week's show you can catch us on friday uh in two weeks i should say uh the next show we're going to be obviously dissecting the fuck out of cm punk versus moxley and whatever the hell's about to go down there and then of course we've got uh rampage after that but those are the, that's like the main thing that everybody's looking forward to and then the following friday we'll have a special uh double episode on youtube of our predictions for um clash of the castle and all out so look for those on the youtube channel as well and of course we'll be live in our regular sunday time uh but yeah it's been, it been a good show hopefully everybody has a great week we'll see you next time deuces